Hey everyone, I'm Preston Lee. And I'm Clay Mosley. And this is Freelance to Founder. Every week, we sit down with freelancers like you for actionable coaching calls with one mission. To help you ditch the feast-famine lifestyle and build your own sustainable business. At one point, we were both brand new freelancers, barely making ends meet. But by now, we've started, grown, and even sold a few businesses of our own. And we want to help you do the same. If you're ready to go from freelance to founder, then join the army of freelancers who are taking matters into their own hands. Visit freelancetofounder.com to apply for your own on-air coaching call. And now, get ready to take some notes because an all-new episode of Freelance to Founder starts right now. On today's episode, Caroline calls in from one of my favorite places on earth, the Netherlands. Caroline is building a graphic and web design business and has already hired quite a few contractors. She gets a decent amount of work every month, but each new month leaves her with the frightening question, will we get enough new business this month? With some good lead generation in place, a team working about 20% of their capacity and a desire to grow, she's in a perfect place to make fast progress. So today's episode is all about marketing, sales, and lead generation for your business. Without a steady pipeline, you can't possibly have a steady business. And this episode wraps up with some highly actionable advice for making real progress in sales and marketing. We'll get started after this quick message from our sponsors. Whether you want to travel more or communicate better with international clients, you need to try Babbel. I've used Babbel's courses and you can do the same in order to learn real life conversation skills in a different language, order food, ask for directions, or speak to clients without having to use translation apps. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash freelance. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash freelance, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash freelance. Rules and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Freelance to Founder. I'm Preston Lee from Milo.co and joining me as always is my friend Clay Mosley from GetDripify.com. Hey Clay, how you doing? Good, good man. Always happy to be here. Good, excited to have you. Today we're chatting with a new friend of ours who we just caught up with a little bit before we hit record. Her name is Caroline uh, calling from the Netherlands. Hi Caroline, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, we're really excited to have you. I have to say, I have to, I have to admit, we are underrepresented with the ladies, uh, with the female For sure. audience. Like, I know there are lots of listeners, um, but man, we would love for you guys, uh, you girls, I should say, to uh, to call in and get a coaching call like Caroline's doing today. If you want to do that, you can visit freelance2founder.com. Um, and jump on a call with me and Clay, and we'd love to chat about your business. But Caroline, uh, you, you know, have been so gracious to to work with us on our schedule today, and uh, and we're excited to have you on this call. Let's start off by telling us a little bit about your business, letting the listeners know what you're working on, what your business is doing, and where you're at currently. Yeah, perfect. So um, I run a small agency called Tremento, and I started it about well, almost three years ago now. It started basically as a social media kind of agency, but um, it has been transitioning more to design right now. And I'm focused specifically on hospitality and food and beverage brands. So that is basically my niche. Um, And right now it's mainly graphic and web design. Okay, awesome. Great. I mean, that was concise. I love it. Yeah, You know exactly who you're working with. (laughs) (laughs) So you said Uh, three years. Is it it just uh, you or... Oh, go ahead. 
I'm sorry. No, yeah, I was going to say that I do a lot of pitches like this, obviously, to clients. So we always need to <laughs> summarize it really quick. <laughs> That is such a good lesson, actually, for the listeners. Like, if you can, if you can, as powerfully as Caroline did, explain your business, uh, I think that goes a long way. You you may only get a couple mm-hmm. of seconds with people. You got to tell them what you do so they understand it quickly, and so they understand the value that you can bring to them as a potential client. So, yeah. everyone should have a Caroline. everyone should have a fifteen second pitch or a ten second pitch. Yeah, yeah. Elevator pitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and be ready to go into more detail too. When you know something that maybe piques people's curiosity, and then you know, more detail to offer when they ask. So, yeah. Well, Caroline, so you said three years. Is it just is it just you so far? Do you have a, a small team? What's your current situation there? No, so I actually um, built a team of freelancers about a year ago, a little bit more now, cool. just before Corona hit us. Um, but then obviously when Corona started, I wasn't quite sure what to do. So I let go of most of them. They, they were all like in the Netherlands. Uh, but then over the summer, I started to have more design work. And that was the first time I decided to use Upwork myself to hire somebody else. Um, and then I got this guy from the Philippines, Lawrence, and he's actually still with me. And I now have a team of about uh, five or six in the Philippines. We had a little bit more, but most of them were like part-time on projects. And the ones that I still got now are more almost full-time uh, and they are yeah. dedicated to the business now. So that's pretty good. So I think we are with a with like a core team of six now. I love that. That's similar to how I run my business. You know, we've got a small team, all contractors, but a lot of them putting in a lot of hours. So it feels like a full-time team. Um, you know, we, we work together like a team, not necessarily like a client and a freelancer. I think it's a good way to run a business. You know, we've talked about that a lot on the show previously. So, uh, so let's talk a little bit more about your clients. You said a lot of hospitality. I'm trying to remember the other one. Was it food or... or um... Yeah, food and beverage. So I food started beverage, out with yeah. just hospitality. There was like coffee shops and restaurants and hotels. Um, but then we started to have a few restaurants who were developing their own like food products. And they oh, were asking it. me to also do packaging. Mm. And started rolling into packaging. And now we actually got two really big projects in F&B going on. Uh, and we also do some web design there, but yeah, the, that part is actually running pretty steady. People keep coming now. So we're starting to get some referrals there. Uh, but unfortunately the big project that we are working on is still like, everything is still confidential. So I'm, I'm yeah. waiting until I can finally release it and <laughs> get more referrals from that. <laughs> yeah. So I guess, you know, I think a lot of listeners would be interested to know how you've stumbled on these. And I shouldn't say stumbled on because maybe strategically you found them. How have you come upon these larger projects? You know, we hear that all the time from listeners, from readers on the blog at Milo. How do I get bigger projects, like something a little more sustainable? So for me, it's well, it's been a variety of ways. So for um, back in the days when it was social media, it was really referrals. And uh, yeah, people just started talking to each other. And at some point I got one hotel, which was part of a big hotel chain. I did good work for them. And then I basically got a whole section of the hotel chain. Um, But I've been doubling down on graphic design now. And there I had to start all over, obviously, because I did not really have a big portfolio. So I actually got the first few clients from Upwork, just started very low. Um, And then I got the bigger one from there as well. Um, and now they have been referring me to a few people. So now mm. the referrals there are starting to come in. But the first big ones were via Upwork, really. Yeah. 
I actually love that you say that because I think some new freelancers, you know, they'll read these articles about charging what you're worth and not not uh, not lowering your prices too much and ruining the industry if you do that and that kind of thing. And honestly, <laughs> like, it's a great way to get your foot in the door. You start small, you get some experience, you yeah. get some portfolio fodder, and then uh, and then you work your way up. Yes, don't stay there forever. <laughs> it's not wise to stay there forever and <laughs> small jobs forever, but use that as a stepping a stepping stone or a, a springboard to something bigger and better. Yeah, I just, I knew with graphic design, I just had to have a few good reviews. So I literally only had like two or three, I think. And I think it's been that way ever since on Upwork because I have taken most clients off there. So off the platform, because I'm not really a big fan of the fee they charge. Um, But most clients are okay with that because often the, the person on the other end doesn't know about the fee that they charge. So when you tell them they're very mm-hmm. happy to sort of move off the platform and it does help to build the relationship further. Um, but I guess with the smaller projects, it's good to do them via Upwork first. So you get those few good reviews and your profile just shows up higher in the search results when you actually apply for something. So it's useful to have a, like a couple, <laughs> yeah. but then try to move away from it maybe or stay there, but then up your rates. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think the, the smaller ones, I, the way I describe the smaller jobs is like, that's kind of the stuff that would, uh, um, I don't know, pay the bills, I guess you could say. Yeah. It just keeps you busy. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, just like Preston said, though, it's like, it's good to, to start there. I think this is what you said. Correct me if I'm wrong, Preston. Uh, it's good to <laughs> You're start. Good. Yeah, it's good to start there. But like a lot, I think we're, I think the trap that a lot of people get into. I'm not saying this is in the trap that you're in, or maybe you are. Um, is that people feel like that they have to stay there, and so uh, just because that's what they locked in, or that's what they started with, as far as like a whatever their fee is. And so, um, anyways, that's just kind of a side thought. Yeah, well, yeah, I would say it's good to move away as soon as you can. Um, but obviously, you need to have the confidence at that point. But for graphic design, it's been going very well. And for web design, I've actually not gotten any clients off Upwork so far because I'm not applying there. I feel like for web design, the the competition on Upwork is maybe a little bit too, well, fierce in some way. Mm-hmm. Um I've also, because I have hired my graphic designers via Upwork and I can see that the people applying for graphic design, they're not always good. So you you get like a ton <laughs> of really bad applications. Um, so it's easier to charge a little bit more for something special. Whereas with mm. web design, I feel like you're going to have a lot of people who are actually pretty good at building a website at first. So um, it might be a bit too much. And I'm also looking at such a specific target audience that... It's, it's hard to find the good ones on Upwork. I have gotten a few, um, but it's like two or three websites and that's it. I love a few of the things you're saying here. Like for me, there, there are a couple findings. Uh, you know, first of all, it's like find a, find a niche where, uh, where you can stand out as being superior. If there's a, you know, you see there's a lot of web designers that are maybe better than you or maybe uh, there's just enough that are the same quality that you can offer. And so you choose not to compete there and that's fine. And yet you notice that there are graphic designers who are not quite as good as you. And so you feel like you can offer a superior product to, to potential clients there. So I think that's an important finding. And then also, you know, you said um, you you get web design projects off of Upwork. So many freelancers feel like if I'm on Upwork, then all of my eggs have to be in the Upwork basket. Like 
that is such a dangerous way to run your business because as soon as an Upwork algorithm changes or you get a bad review and you get bumped down in searches mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, all of a sudden your whole business goes out the window. And so Upwork should be just one small part of your overall lead generation mix. Uh, and in order to have like a healthy client pipeline at all times. Yeah, right now I only go back there if I feel like we are having like a mm. short, very slow season. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Which is I often only like a one or two week period. Um, but then I try to have a look over there, see what's going on, if there's maybe any interesting projects. Uh, but right now we don't, like for graphic design, we just don't need it because the current projects are big enough to cover our full spectrum <laughs> so we're busy enough there uh, yeah. but for web design I, I do keep my eye on it but it's i don't feel like i can get my clients there not not as much as i want them to because as you guys maybe have read like in the questionnaire that i had to fill out for you um my web design service is sort of a productized service right now and that means that if i were to look on upwork i need to find very specific clients that fit into that root basically whereas i know that there are many many people who fit with or who are the perfect target audience for the product i service um but i'm just struggling on how to reach them properly and more because it started i feel like the snowball is slowly starting to roll now but that's sort of what i wanted to talk about mostly is how can i increase that and sort of systematize it as well because i am struggling to follow up with potential clients Yeah. Well, I love that. I think that's a perfect segue into the bulk of this conversation where, yeah, we can talk about uh, lead generation, sales, um, you know, following up with clients and just building that client pipeline through a good sales, a systematized sales process. Um, let's, Let's recap for listeners. So if you've listened to the show before, maybe this is your first time you know that there is uh, a scale on this. So <laughs> uh, Caroline brought up the survey that we have our guests fill out. It's to help us get to know you and your business a little bit better. And on that survey, we ask on a scale of one to 10, one being freelancer, 10 being founder, hence the name of our show, uh, where would you rate yourself? One being a freelancer, 10 being a founder. And Caroline, uh, you put yourself currently, let's see, I'm reviewing, reviewing as I look. I think you put yourself at a Ah, uh, remind yeah, me, Caroline. I, Let's see. I did meant a five. to say a five. <laughs> uh, there we go. Yeah. Okay. So you put yourself at a five, and I'm seeing here that you, um, in six to twelve months, hoped that your that your business would be more like an eight. So much closer to being a founder, meaning you have processes in place, you have maybe a bunch of people working for you, um, just just really feeling more like a company rather than a si- singular freelancer. Why don't you break down for us, Caroline? In in six or 12 months, what does a, a perfect eight look like to you? What does your business look like in six or 12 months in, in a perfect world? So I mainly answered these questions um, for the web design part of the business. So where we are building websites for restaurants and probably also uh, B&Bs. And right now, I like when I filled in the survey, I actually had one guy working with me, um, but I already have two right now. So, <laughs> so <laughs> I hired you're making good progress. Last week. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they are both working part-time now and they are working together. I feel like that's one step up to sort of like on the scale to founder, making sure that they can handle the tasks themselves mm, and yeah. go to the clients as well. So I have them also reaching out to clients directly. Um, but I feel like I'm still at a five right now because I am the one getting the clients. I am the one sending out 
the surveys to basically get everything started. Um, and I do need to check in on like how's the process going. And once it's done, I need to email the client. And I feel like in perfect world, an eight would be where I have one person for customer support, one person for uh, probably project management, and then two or three guys for um, the actual web design part and support when it's needed. So the customer support would probably be just like talking to the clients, um, but not necessarily be inside the websites. <laughs> mm, yeah. So it's like an account for me, manager. Yeah, I'm struggling right now with it, handling it all. And I'm also still wondering if I need somebody just for customer support and somebody for sales or if that can be combined in some way. I'm, I'm not sure. Those are those are good questions. Um, what maybe I missed it? What do you see your like in a perfect world? What is your primary role? Just probably the strategy behind it. Can you go more into that? So I so the product I service itself is right now. It's a template that I built that is perfect for restaurants, and then we also have a template that's perfect for B and Bs. Um, and I feel like that always needs a little bit of development and you need to make sure that the people who sign up stay happy. So for example, maybe next year we need to roll out an update and I just want to have that overall look, but I want the team to be able to run itself. So if I were to basically go on a holiday or if I were to get sick, um, the website would still be made and it wouldn't sort of die. <laughs> I, I'm sort of afraid that if I were to go now, um, then yeah, it would just fall flat, basically. Yeah, and that, that's a that's a common uh, that's a common um, uh, what do you goal for a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners is that they want to have the right team in place so that if if they if you were to go on vacation or take days off or uh, I, we call it vacation, you said holiday. Um, that's uh, something I got to get used to. Um, uh, yeah, is is to make sure that the business uh, doesn't skip a beat, basically. Exactly. And so um, that's why I was asking, like, what your primary role, what you would like your primary role to be, because there there are certain things in your business that that need to be there. And so if you know if your primary primary role is going to be, you know strategy then the question is is like okay well what what happens when you were to take off work for two weeks um like what happens at that point so that that's the question or if your primary role is sales um then okay well then that means your sales are going to be like you, there's no sales in two weeks right no sales activity mm-hmm. and so those are things to consider um i would say like i think i think uh, this is my from my experience here is that to like to identify all the different roles in your company um and then also identify what your primary role is but also you need to have a uh, i would say and Preston might have some feedback on this but i would have a almost like a right hand man um where maybe that that person's primary role is something different but they could fill in your role on a temporary basis too so that that's what I've done in the past, um, where I've trained somebody up to where it's like, okay, if I were to leave, 
for a few weeks that they could fill in. So I don't know, Preston, you have any things there? Yeah, no, I think this is this is the exact right way to think about it. Um, Caroline, I think, you know, you're saying you would handle kind of the business strategy, where the business is going, new processes. That that can be, if you have the cash flow for it, that can be a job mm-hmm. in and of itself. You know, a lot of companies and a lot of freelancers trying to become founders that we talk to, they don't maybe have the cash flow. And so they have to assume the role of the full-time salesperson, or they have to assume the role of the full-time web developer or something. If you have the cash flow, um, and you can hire all those other positions out, then having having like a, a position where you're the owner, president, CEO, whatever you want to call it, and you focus primarily on what are we going to do next. Um, and then if you can farm out, not farm out, hire out, um, hire out or give responsibility to your team members for everything that makes the company run in terms of generating revenue, keeping customers happy, then then yeah, taking some time off becomes easy because then you just plan in your in your business strategy time. You'll say, during these two weeks, we won't be coming up with any new strategies. We'll just be keeping the business alive, making sure that, you know, things don't fall apart and my team can handle that. And so, I, you know, I run, I'm on my business a little bit this way. Um, I've, you know, a couple of years ago, I took a month off in the summer, which was the longest I'd ever taken off and the business uh, did fine. Um, my team is amazing. They know what they need to do, but we also didn't come up with any new initiatives during that time. And so, it, so there's a balance for sure because it's kind of my job in our company to come up with new products, new initiatives, uh, new changes, things we're going to do better. And the team is kind of in charge of just keeping the train moving forward. Yeah, so that's exactly where I wanted to be, at least on the web design part. Um, but I'm struggling a little bit with which steps to take first now, because I've been considering hiring somebody for sales for a while, but I just don't have like a very good system set in place that I can teach that person. Um, And so far, whenever I try to put somebody onto this role, they do seem to need quite a system. Yeah. Because I would prefer hiring, I guess, somebody in-house instead of hiring it out or like sourcing it out to sort of an agency or lead generation agency because I just feel like they need to be really with us and know the company. Uh, But I was wondering if you guys have any tips on that, like how to best go about maybe hiring somebody to do sales and what to look for and if I can even do it right now, not having this system already sort of set in stone because I do think it will have to go through a couple of iterations, but What's the best way to approach that, basically? I think this is so good, and I'm sure Clay has a ton of ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, let's let's take a quick break. Uh, we're going to hear a quick message from our sponsors. When we get back, uh, Clay and I, I think, are going to unload some some really good ideas on when to hire, how to hire a salesperson. If you should, I think we should also explore like, should you hire a, a lead generation agency or should you hire someone in house? How much does that matter in your sales process? And what do you do if you don't have a process set up? perfectly, can you still hire someone before you've got the process all figured out? I think maybe those were the three big questions, Caroline. So after we get back from a quick message from our sponsors, we'll tackle as many of those as we can. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You know, working from home is mostly great, but there are some days when I realize I haven't left my house or even my chair like all day. Have you been there? Getting outside to exercise or making a trip to the gym are just harder now that my office is just a flight of stairs away. If you're stuck in the same rut as me, then you should try Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W. With the Hydro rower and 20 minutes a day, getting a full body workout is so much easier. 
Hydro can work up to 86% of your muscles in just 20 minutes for an insane effective home workout. That's because Hydro pairs the effectiveness of rowing with the power of technology to connect you with over 5,000 video trainings, classes, and workouts. And get ready to get out from behind your home desk because after a few months of daily rowing with Hydro, your partner's gonna wanna take you out for a night on the town to show you off. This spring, join the growing rowing community at Hydro. Head over to hydro.com and use code FREELANCE to save up to $400 off your Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W.com and promo code FREELANCE to save $400. Hydro.com, promo code FREELANCE, or just click the link in our show description. Have you ever noticed that many of the problems people call in with on this show can be solved by hiring someone? Sometimes you need a full-fledged team, other times maybe just a simple assistant or an expert in something you're not great at. Whatever your reason for hiring, we recommend you take a look at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. As you may know already, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn Jobs makes the process of finding the perfect teammate easy and intuitive. Hiring is always easy when you have access to so many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours when using LinkedIn Jobs. I've used it myself, and it was so simple. In fact, I've made multiple hires using LinkedIn Jobs, and did I mention, by the way, it's free to business owners like me and you. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash freelance. That's linkedin.com slash freelance to post your job for free or click the link in our show description. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to Freelance to Founder. My name is Preston Lee I'm from Milo.co. And with me, as always, is my friend Clay from GetDripify.com. And joining us today on the call is Caroline, who's calling in from the Netherlands. We're excited to have her on the call. And we've learned a lot uh, so far about her business. And she's taught us some things and the listeners some things about uh, getting clients, building a pipeline. And now she's, she's trying to figure out, how do I hire out for sales? Should I hire someone? Do I have to have a process in place? Should I hire an agency or an in-house person? Clay, where do you want to start with some of these questions that Caroline asked us before the break? Yeah, so these are these are really good. It's a really good question. Um, it's like it, it's the it's the question of like, should I hire sales? Should I hire an operations person? Should I hire this and that? Like, where do where where do I start? Like, that's exactly. a <laughs> yeah. This is a super tough question, and I don't know like. I, I will give you my advice based off my experience and and I, I just I, I just full disclaimer, I don't know if this is gonna be best for your business. So um this is just from my experience of like of building an agency. And what I for me, well, okay, let me ask you a question before I go into this. Do so do you handle the sales right now? Yeah, I do. So right now, um what I'm seeing is that we've gotten a couple of sales via, for example, a Facebook group, and then I I completely handle all the sales there. Um, okay. And the ones that come directly to me via email, I also just do all of it. So yes. Okay. <laughs> so so I want you to think about in your process right now from from um, and, and this is a good exercise for anybody. Um, so the the process of of prospecting to onboarding a client, a new client, to actually doing the the project and then and then and then finally they're 
they're a client that's just kind of like an ongoing client. So in that entire process, where do you think is you are losing the most money, I would say, or or another way to to phrase that is where do you think the biggest bottleneck is in your business? I think right now it's really the the very first part. So actually the the prospecting um and then following up with potential prospects. Because okay. after that, pretty much everything is automated um, and then the team takes over. So the onboarding is completely automated and the design is already completely handled by the team. So it's probably the very first part wow. and then maybe the last part, but the mm. first part is definitely the biggest. <clears throat> so, so sorry, I tried to mute myself. I was clearing my throat. Uh, you can edit that out and post. So, so, so it sounds like you got the you got the middle part going, um, and then maybe you, so it sounds like you're missing the first part and the last part. How how would you rate yourself on on a scale of one to ten for you since you are doing the sales? Um, how good you are at sales? Now I'm not talking about volume here. I'm just talking about how good you are. Uh, it depends. So when I'm actually on a call with somebody, then closing them, I'm pretty good, but. Really getting the clients, that's where the tough part for me is right now. So the ones that I've gotten, I've gotten, for example, via a Facebook group. So that is also, that's my personal account, obviously. So that's one of the things that I'm thinking about here. It's like, if I'm to hire somebody for sales, is that person then going into the Facebook groups with his personal account? Um, And I've tried cold emailing, but I'm too bad at following up with clients there. So... I've literally gotten zero out of that. So there I would probably be a one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. And then we have a few people reaching out to us directly now or people who have been with us for graphic design and then moving on to web design. And that's always like, that's a 100% closing rate. So okay. once they get to know me, it's okay. Um, but the, yeah, the part before that, the actual like lead gen and prospecting, especially cold prospecting, mm-hmm. I'm, I have like no good system there yet. Okay, and then one last question: um, How would you how would you allocate what what's your allocation of time for sales versus projects versus administrative, like in in ballpark percentages there? Oh, sales right now would probably be only like five percent or ten okay. percent, and the biggest part of me, my actual time is mostly in strategy on the graphic design part of the business, and then. So I would say ten or like five percent is sales, maybe forty percent is strategy, or no, fifty percent would be on the branding side, and then like thirty percent maybe on the web design side, and the rest is administrative. So also not too much administrative work. So Caroline, when you say strategy, are you are you talking about like creative direction? Is that kind of yeah? It's like art okay. direction and also talking yeah. to clients about where to take the projects. Okay. Okay. So there's some there's some client management in there, some creative direction in there. Okay. Yes, but that is mainly on the graphic design part because the web design part doesn't really need it since it's so productized. Got it. All right. And and just to clarify, you want to spend most of your time on strategy, like in a perfect world. Yes, I would want to spend most of my time on the strategy and on like the branding projects that we are doing. So the full branding projects. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, so if and, and and you're you're and you just don't have enough volume of clients coming in, correct? 
it's not enough now. Like last month we got five web design clients and I'm okay with that, but I want mm-hmm. to have that. Like that needs to keep on happening. I want at least mm-hmm. five a month and I'm not sure now for June. Like, okay, so how are we actually going to get five again? <laughs> so so uh, I'm asking all these questions because it, it really depends. My answer depends on how, how you're operating. So bear with me. Um, so your websites, do you charge a, a one-time fee or recurring? It's recurring. Recurring, yeah. okay. So we have um, our own like service. So they have hosting and maintenance fees after the website is done. Okay. Um, so they do really stay with us. Okay, okay. Okay, so... Um, okay, so these, this, is, this is good. So I would, I would say like, like what percentage... I, I swear this is the last question. What percentage of, of like... If you if you were to take your team, you and your team, and think about what would be their max capacity, right? Mm-hmm. How busy are they on a scale of one to ten? If ten is like the absolutely most work that they can actually handle, you mean a number of like clients or? Uh, yeah, uh no, not number of clients. Just like. Like so, how how like so how busy are they? So like on a for example, if, if they're working, it, let's just say at max capacity, they're working forty hours a week, mm-hmm. but they're only they're only busy enough for only twenty hours a week, right? So they have another twenty hours. Like so, that would be like a fifty percent capacity. Yeah, I think right? we're at like twenty right now. Twenty You're only at or 20? thirty. They can definitely do more. Okay. Because it's so systematized. So they like once. We have the content from the client. They can set up a website within a few hours. Okay, okay. So I, there, there's two things I would consider um, based off your situation, and maybe Preston has some some different feedback. Is I we do have to differentiate the fact of sales versus marketing. So um, when you're talking about sales, sales is exactly what you describe as like, okay, let's hire an actual salesperson who's going to generate leads for me. Um, they're going to, you know, it, it's very transactional. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's one thing to consider. Uh, the other thing to consider is mar- actual marketing. So that's going to be producing social media content, social ad campaigns, search engine optimization. Um, there's a whole variety of different marketing strategies that you can do. In my opinion, I think you should do both um, because. Uh, sales is like hiring a salesperson. Will it? It's sales is conversion, it, in my opinion. It's like not only are they they generating leads, but like that whenever someone inquires about your service, they're the ones that's actually going to close the business. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you the problem with a salesperson generating leads is the fact that it's transactional. So like if that person stops, then your leads stop and your sales funnel stops. And so that's why I think marketing... So marketing is basically awareness, right? So if you have a, a proper marketing plan, that's going to create awareness for you, your business and your brand, which is going to generate some interest. And then you can use a salesperson to to close that business that yeah. that's coming in inbound. Now that's not to say that they can't generate leads on their own, but I'm just saying like if you if you hire a salesperson to only generate 
leads and then close those leads and you have no marketing, that is a very finite uh, amount of business that you are going to be able to generate. But marketing, it can be exponential. And so that's my recommendation based off what you, your current situation. Yeah, so for marketing, we do have um, like a couple of really good lead magnets and they are getting me new leads pretty much every day right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm struggling to follow up with those. Do you so, have a marketing campaign beyond that? So like what happens when someone opts into that that lead magnet? Like f- so, walk yeah, me through that really. process. Yeah, not nothing really because I have no good process there. Mm. So that's also mm. where I'm struggling because I do feel like I have not enough time to actually create a whole funnel there and then also yeah. to follow up with them. So there, there's some things that you can do there that, that can be completely automated from a marketing perspective. So when someone opts into a lead magnet, um, if, if for some of you that are listening, a lead magnet is basically something you put on your website that you give away for free in exchange for an email. Um, so when someone opts into your e- your lead magnet, you should have an email marketing campaign that's, that's uh, like a drip campaign that automatically happens when they when they opt in. But in addition to that, you can have a social media, uh, uh, like a Facebook or Instagram, whatever platform is best for your audience, a retargeting campaign. Because if they go on your website, if you have the proper pixels in place, Mm -hmm. then you can run a retargeting campaign to target those people over and over and over and over again. Because I don't know about you, but like, most of the things that I buy, I don't buy on first introduction of it. I buy it after I've seen it X number of times. And so that's why a crucial retargeting campaign is... Uh, or that's why a retargeting campaign is, is crucial. But if you combine that email marketing along with retargeting, like that's going to hit them in so many different ways. Um, and... And th- if you set it up properly, this happens in the background. You, it requires almost no work if you have it set up properly. Yeah. So would you recommend just completely going that route instead of, or should I also try like cold emailing or should I just leave that? <laughs> um, I mean, you could do cold emailing, That that's, but that's, a, that's again, that's a sales lead generation uh, tactic. Right, like but there's you only think the combination. Then is the best, or I, I'm, I always, as a marketing person, mark sales and marketing person, I'm always a fan of anything that works. So if it's working for you, keep doing it. If it's right. not working for you, stop doing it. Caroline, remind us which one you said had a hundred percent close rate so far. That's when people pretty much jump on the call with me. Well, okay. how how do they how do, how how do, do they, they find get on you? The call? So that like that's all sort that well they can either find us via um, Google because our SEO is pretty strong. Okay. Okay. So I get about four hundred people visiting the website today now. Okay. Um, so we do get some leads from that, and then there is uh, well we have the lead magnet that's out there that's still just generating leads basically, and some of them decide to directly contact me because they are interested in having a call. So I have a button on my website that says like book a free consultation call and they go there and they fill in the form almost like with the podcast um, and they can jump on a call with me. So once they do that, I've only had it once now that somebody didn't go through with it. Um, 
over there for like in a year now. Um, so okay. that's all. So it sounds like <laughs> so it sounds like it sounds like like once they book a call, like they're pretty much going to turn like the high, the chance of them turning into clients is very high. The yes. the bottleneck that you're having is okay. How like the friction is mm-hmm. how do we get them to book a call? Mm-hmm. So yes. to me, that is marketing. That okay. like yeah for, for me yeah you've got you've you've got the closing the sale process down. I've had a few thoughts as as I've been listening to this conversation, which I'm I'm just like totally sitting back and enjoying this conversation between the two of you because I think Clay is asking all of the right questions and Caroline. If I'm being honest, I think you are in the almost perfect situation for your business to just take off. And here's here's why I say that you're you're currently spending five percent of your time on sales and marketing. And yet you have enough work that you're keeping your, your people fairly busy. And at the same time, you have an 80% capacity deficit with your team. So you could ramp up sales by five times uh, and still have this, and still your team could get all the work done. Um, yeah. And so, and you have so you have so many pieces like in place. You just need to you need to click a few extra things here or there. Mm-hmm. And here are the things that I think you could focus on over the next six or twelve months. So, so first of all, for me, um, you've said this is maybe the biggest thing. You've said a couple times, I'm just bad at following up. Like I get lots of leads, but mm-hmm. I'm just bad at following up. So here are a couple resources you could potentially look into if you have a lead magnet. Uh, like Clay was saying, if you have a lead magnet that's generating some leads, it sounds like you do. Uh, yes. yes, the retargeting thing is great. You can also set up some email automations. So once once they sign up for that that lead magnet, then they get an email from you every week until they book a call, right? Um, you could use a tool as simple as you know ConvertKit or MailChimp or something like that. Or you could use a tool. There's this tool I'm in love with for sales and marketing. It's called Reply. And you'll find them at reply.io. We'll link to it in the show notes for the listeners. But um, at reply.io, basically, you can put a user's email address in. And then uh, you can set automated follow-ups if they don't respond to your email. So let's say someone signs up for your lead magnet. You send them an email and say, hey, I'd love to jump on a call with you. If they don't respond, in three and a half days or whatever interval you set, Reply is going to send them another email and say, Hey, I didn't see a response to your last email. Just wondering if you wanted to hop on the call. Remember, you're pushing toward this phone call thing where you have 100% close rate every time. So um, you can send... And and when you're sending follow-ups, the honest truth is more is more. Like I pulled up this study that I found a few days ago. One, uh, one study saw an 18% reply rate to the first email, but a 27% reply rate to email number six. So like... When when you're sending follow up emails, you know one email, one follow up email is not going to cut it. Maybe two, three, four, five, even six, you'll get a great response um, if you can automate that follow up using Reply. And then what I love about Reply too, which by the way is not affiliated with the show, but I just love the tool, is they also let you follow up with other on other channels. So if you have their email address and their LinkedIn account or their Facebook account or whatever, you can send them a Facebook Messenger message or a LinkedIn message or a text message. It's super, super cool. Um, and, but but I think I think really like if you could automate a, your follow-up, you would be miles ahead of where you are now because yeah. you've got you're generating leads and you're mm-hmm. closing sales, but what you're not doing is turning as many of those leads into phone calls as you could be. That's the that's the gap for me. And I think 
you know, with some technology, with just dedicating a day or two to saying like, I'm going to set this up now (laughs) before I lose any more sales. I think that would just make night and day difference in your business. I don't know. What's, what's resonating? What, where are we heading in the right direction, Caroline? What do you think? Yeah, so I'm what I'm wondering because I'm also looking at the tool and it looks really good, but um, I'm struggling with what to actually put in the first follow up because I always feel like when people talk about building out the funnel, it's like, oh, they download the lead magnet and then you come with a like another email that's full of more value in some way. And at what point do you turn to getting them onto the call, where which is for yeah. me like the most important part? Um, because like following up, I would be very tempted to create a follow-up asking if the lead magnet actually worked for them. And then, but then if I, if I don't get a reply, then at what point can I actually pitch them on the web design service? <laughs> I don't know. There's different, there's different opinions on this, depending on who you talk to. I'm more yeah. of a direct sale kind of guy. Like I like to get to the point. Mm-hmm. They know you're in business. They know that you want their business. So there's no reason to like drag it out for six months like you're dating. But, you know, there, there is obviously some value in warming up a lead, um, gaining their trust, gaining, you know, making sure they like you and trust you. That can definitely increase your, your close rate. But again, we're not trying to increase your close rate. You, you are great at closing already. We're trying to get them on the phone with you. And so I, for me, I would, I would get to that as quickly as possible. Um, hey, I hope you're enjoying your lead magnet. I'd love to jump on a call with you and and talk about how we could help you reach your goals in XYZ. Make it all about them, uh, but but all about getting them on the phone to where then you can close a deal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little, I agree with that. I I <laughs> you're a little I, more on I, the warm-up side. I totally I'm a, totally I'm a, little, get that. I'm a little on the warm-up side, but I'm also a little, I'm also on the side of I don't want to have to spend my time warming them up. Mm-hmm. Like well, I, feel, I do yeah, that. And I feel like if they sign up for a lead magnet, like maybe they've been warmed up already. Like maybe they saw some content on social and then they click through to the website. Yeah. Maybe they've been to the website before. Maybe it's their third visit and they download it. Like if, if they're if they like you enough to give out their email address so that you can send them a lead magnet, in my opinion, they are warmed up. That's a fair that's a fair thing. I uh I just I you know, I like to give them a little a couple extra blankets, man, and like warm them up even more. <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> and when I say that though, like yeah. when I say that though, like whenever I I say warm up, like my 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 email drip campaigns when someone when someone opts into a lead magnet, it's only five even five emails long, and it's it's sent out over a span of a week. And so on that yeah. last email, that's where I say, okay, here's my sales pitch. Right, that's what I would do if I were you, Caroline. Like it's I would do a, a five part email drip. On those lead magnets, and on the very last one, say, "Hey, book a call with me." You know what I mean? Yeah. So, do you have any tips on how to actually structure those emails? Like, what has been working for you? Because I know there's like tons of resources on this, and mm-hmm. I've seen many, but I'm wondering how you sort of structured them. Um. Yeah. For me, it's it's really simple. The first one. Uh, which, by the way, I keep all the emails really short and simple. Like, I don't go into mm-hmm. a long sales mm-hmm. email and like it's not That's a what the phone calls for that you're already good. Yeah, at. yeah. So I'm pretty straight to the point. Um, but the way I structure my emails is the very first email is, "Hey, here, here's this thing you opted into. Here's the link," um, and then I include one little personal 
uh, trivia fact about me. So like, I'm a big Star Wars fan. So something I'll say is, hey, here's this lead magnet that that uh, you opted into. Oh, P.S. Um, just FYI, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. So if you want to talk about that, great. And the importance of that is because, uh, and again, this goes to warming up, right? So like, I want people to get to know me on a personal level because if they do, then the close ratio is so much higher. So that's my first one. That's my first email. The second email is, uh, I go I go into a little bit more detail, not super long. Um, I just go into a little bit more detail about who I am as a person and why I do what I do. And so it's only like maybe like seven or eight sentences long total. Like I keep it pretty short and simple. And then do I do put an, an image in. Huh? Do you put an image of yourself in? Uh, I don't, but you could do that for sure. Yeah, you can do that. Um, I think that that actually might that might be good. Um, I would test it. Um, yeah, I think it comes down to testing. And and for me yeah. too, it, it, like I think we could spout off all day like. Image, no image. What color should the button be? How big uh-huh. should the font be? That's like true. all of these little things that at the end of the day, like it's really more about you being genuine to yourself and actually caring about your clients. We're not trying to trick them. Yeah. We're not trying to convince them of something they don't want. Um, and you don't want to drag people along and waste your time and resources on people who aren't going to convert anyway. So for me, it's it's way more about like being genuine um, yeah. about what you're mm-hmm. offering and the value that you bring to clients, and then caring about their response. Uh, it's le- it's way more about that than about like image and font size and actual copywriting yeah. and things like that. Which yeah, might be a really difficult thing for you to get past because you are yeah. a designer. <laughs> but I will, tell you, I will tell you right now, um, I'm a designer as well and uh, on the website, but like all of my emails are straight up plain text. Yeah, because that's I, what yeah, works the best. I think those work the best as well. So. Yeah. yeah, they get yeah. delivered best. So like... So yeah, just to finish the sequence. So the second email is just like, okay, here's a little bit about why I do what I do. The third email is more of a, uh, it's more, I'm more vulnerable. So it's like, hey, here's my story of like, of my frustration of, of, uh, and all this has to relate to the lead magnet they're, they're opting into. Okay. But here's my frustration of what I went through whenever, uh, you know, like say for example with websites, like oh yeah, I, I didn't used to be a web designer, but uh, whenever I hired somebody to be a web designer, here are all the frustrations that I went to, and it cost me all this money, um, and it cost me all this like headache and blah 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 blah. So you go into that story, and then the fourth email is about the aha moment. So it's like oh, guess what? Like I actually figured it out. I figured out how to do website design. Um, you know, and here are the things like that makes a really good website design that converts people, right? And then the fifth email is the sales pitch. And it's like, hey, guess what? You remember that aha moment I mentioned in the previous email? Well, I packaged it all up and I, I can save you years of frustration and just let me do it for you. Book a call with me. That's, that's the sequence that I use. It's like, hey, on the front end, get them to know you just on a trivia fact level. Like, I like Star Wars, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then in the middle, talk about your pain points, like your journey, like what you went through. And then end it with your aha moment and then your sales pitch. Okay. Okay. So then, because that sounds all pretty clear, um, and I'm, yeah, I'm already thinking about like the next steps after that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the other thing that I'm wondering, because I'm, um, so once I do have that, like the call would still 
probably be with me. Um, uh, but we have a system that doesn't necessarily need them to jump on a call, but which you recommend still always putting that as the call to action in that case because no. they can sort of yeah like it, yeah, it just depends on yeah it just depends on what you want to accomplish. Yeah. We've, I've just been pushing that because you said that that's where you had your highest close rate. If you if you don't want to end up, I can fully understand that at a certain scale, like you can't handle every call, you'd have to hire someone to help with calls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you can make it work without a call, that's great. But um, you just always want to be driving toward that conversion. And whatever has the highest conversion rate, to me, makes the most sense to drive towards. Now, as you test more things, you might realize that a cold email converts better without a call. Or you know, you'll just have to test all of those kinds of things. The other thing I might add before we have to wrap up the episode, which for me has flown by, it's been really fun hearing about your business and talking about some solutions. But um, the other thing for me is like the question of, should I hire this internally? Should I do it myself? Or should I hire an agency? And the more I listen to what you've already got set up in your business, uh, you've got a lot of things already working really well. And I do wonder like, if there would actually be value in you just hiring someone who's really great at lead generation. There are companies out there who... Um, well, first of all, there are companies like Clay's who can who just do your marketing for you, basically. Like they they think through the strategy, they execute on the strategy, um, or you can learn it yourself from something like Clay's ninety uh, day. What's it called, Clay? The ninety day marketing machine. <laughs> yeah, ninety day marketing machine, which may or may not yeah. be open at the time of it's, the time yeah, it airs. Yeah. But um, but um, anyway, you know, check check that kind of thing out, or. Or you could just hire, like, um, for my subscription company, uh, I have someone who does Facebook ads and other lead generation stuff, and we just capture the customer. So they just send us customers. And then, so that there are, you know, there are ways to, if you don't want to become an expert on the sales and marketing, that's okay. You can hire an agency or you can even bring in someone in-house that's a specialist. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. In fact, you might see quicker results that way. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Looking at all the options there, indeed, trying to figure out what's gonna work best and also what is most um, reasonable right now, as the business over there is still very small. So I'm funding mm. it with like the graphic design part. <laughs> mm. Hey, one one thing that might help you is, and I think most businesses don't do this, is keep track of your your client buying behavior. So what I mean by that is, is like, so like look at your clients that you love the most and look to see what, what, what kind of actions they took to get to that point with you. So did like a really simple question is, are, did they opt into the lead magnet or did they not, right? Did they skip it? Um, or did they opt into the lead magnet and buy some other product from you first. Like, did they did they opt in the lead magnet, hire you to do a logo design, and then they hired you for website design? Like, like look at the pathway of their buying behavior for your most ideal favorite clients. And I would focus on that that behavior path. And so if 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 they opted into the lead magnet, then I would focus that on the front end. And then I would encourage them to do some sort of graphic design project next if that's what the most common trend is. So I would I would think about that pathway. Yeah, I think I need to test that because right now from the lead magnet, I don't think we actually got any clients really because there's no follow-up. <laughs> mm, 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, can I need you. to go after that, but I do want to test it. Definitely. And I do see clients who sign up, they do often come back to us for other stuff. So if they yep. start with graphic design, they move on to another graphic design project. Or if they are in web design, we already in the onboarding, we ask them, do you already have a logo? If not, do you want to give you a proposal? Or So um, they do stay with us for more of, yeah, for more than one product, basically. Yeah, like I've said a dozen times so far, I feel like you are in such a good position right here. Um, I think I think this comes down to some discipline, maybe personal discipline on your end of just saying like, mm-hmm. you know, I I maybe don't enjoy this sales and marketing follow-up stuff as much as I enjoy the design and branding creative direction. But I need to just sit down and like, it'll, it'll seriously take you maybe two work days to set up some automated follow-ups and responses to your lead magnets, stuff that all happens on autopilot once you're done with it. And then you just watch and test and adjust, you know, a couple hours a week instead of spending every day stressing that you haven't followed up with your lead magnets and and worried that you're not going to have clients next month. Like it becomes an automated process. I think you're so, so close. Yeah, I think that's going to be the first thing I'm going to do indeed. Yeah. Yeah, I think Preston's right. Um, I remember being in that position uh, both times uh, <laughs> that I have built uh, my two main businesses, and I think I think Preston's right. You're like right there. Like it's just some tweaks, some really small tweaks that you got to make. Um, so hopefully that encourages you. <laughs> yeah, it does. just do it. it you does. know, it's time. It's time to make yeah. it happen. You've done such like, good work on everything yeah. else. So you just, just got to follow through and finish it up. Yeah, I really need to start working on those. Uh, well, the potential leads from the actual lead magnet because mm-hmm. I took a look at about 72 people on that for the last month and we don't do anything with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, if, you only captured, if you only captured between 5 and 10%, there's, there's your you know three to five clients that you want again yeah. this next month, right? So, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, if if you can get a good close rate out of that, that would be fantastic too. Caroline, I'm afraid we have to wrap up the conversation. It's been a fun one today and hopefully helpful for you and hopefully motivating. I'm excited to follow up in a few months and see how things are coming. But um, thank you so much for taking time to jump on the call with us today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for the coaching. Really good. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for coming on. I'm definitely going to take a different route than I was planning on. So (laughs) this was helpful. Well, good. Glad to hear it. Clay, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. And uh, both of you, please take care. See you guys. Bye-bye. Freelance to Founder is produced by the team at Millo. Visit millo.co to level up your freelancing. And Dripify, visit getdripify.com to become a bad A in business. Freelance to Founder is also part of The Podglomerate. You can check out more amazing podcasts at thepodglomerate.com. The theme music for this show was produced by Joaquin Carud. You can catch past episodes at freelancetofounder.com or by searching Freelance to Founder in your favorite podcast player. While you're at it, we'd love an honest review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's all for now. Until next time. See ya.